So I want to start out with just a, a, a tiny little tidbit about our family. The, the series that I'm stepping into right now is, you want to make a difference? Make a friend. If you want to make a difference, make a friend. So I want to tell you a tiny bit about how I met my best friend, Sarah Joy, my wife. So we, uh, I actually mar- I married into the Antioch uh, Community Church family. Um, I, I was born in Oklahoma. Sarah was born in Alaska. We both grew up in very different places than Boston. And uh, in 2003, or let me back up before then. Um, I'd just come off the field. I was in, the, in, the chi- in China for about a year. It was a, a rough time. I was kind of lamenting to a, a mentor and professor of mine uh, in Oklahoma. I went to Oklahoma Baptist University, but was, was processing with him. And I was just saying, man, I don't know how I'm ever going to meet any, anybody in terms of a wife who's going to want to go overseas and you know, work in a really rough place with uh, orphans and vulnerable kids. I have no idea if there's ever a dad out there who's going to let his daughter do that. And I was just kind of, I was bellyaching a little bit. And he said, Brendan, someday you're going to be, you're going to be uh, talking passionately about your love for what's on God's heart. And you're going to look up. And there's going to be a woman with tears streaming down her eyes. And you're going to know that's your wife. I thought, oh, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, that sounds really good. Uh, fast forward uh, about 10 months, I'm at, I'm at Urbana, this huge missions conference. It's a, a neat place. 20-something thousand people. Is, it was the last time it was on the campus of the University of Illinois. And uh, so they have these breakout sessions, every kind of breakout session under the sun having to do with overseas ministry. And uh, I went to one, and, and I saw this beautiful woman there. And went to another, and she was at that one too. And then another, it, it, like three or four in a row, we were at the same breakout sessions. And so at one point, she, she walked by in the hall and smiled at me, and I stopped her <laughs> at that point and introduced myself and attached myself to her Boston College InterVarsity group. And at one point in, at lunch, I'm just going on about something I just heard in one of the, the breakout sessions. It might have even been Children of War where I was just, uh, just weeping uncontrollably in the middle of that breakout session. And I looked up, and I saw tears streaming down her face. And I can't remember. I think, I think something registered about what my mentor had said in the moment. But the problem was that she was dating someone seriously at the time. <laughs> a little bit of a roadblock in that vision that he had painted. But it, six years later, we reconnected in Uganda. Uh, and the, the Lord sovereignly connected us. Our first date was rafting the Nile. Uh, river in, in Uganda. Uh, but, but my wife has taught me more about, from, my wife is a friend. She believes the best in people and she makes time for people. And uh, she has taught me more about friendship than anyone else in life. So I just want to honor, honor her. And also, I want to say that she's going to share. I, I, we couldn't, I couldn't talk about friendship without inviting her up. So she's going to come share a little bit in a second. As I have, as I've been processing and preparing for this, this sermon, my love for Jesus has just skyrocketed. We say, we saying your name is beautiful a second ago, but he's beautiful. Jesus is so precious and beautiful. And there's, there's been several points in my life this past week that have converged that there's just something internally in me that, that is more hungry and more desirous to be close to him than in a long, long time. And my hope for you this morning is that you will draw near to Jesus, even as we're talking about being a friend, but that you will draw near to Jesus this morning. Where I want to start, I want to start 
uh, in a place that our, our life group actually read this, uh, this passage, uh, John 15. Uh, Jesus paints a picture of a, a vine, that, a, a, or a, a branch that abides in the vine. It, it is intimately linked to this vine and receives life from the vine, and the, and the, and the branch bears fruit. And there's two imperatives in this passage, two directives that he gives. And this, and this, it's, a, it's a fairly long passage, and, he, and there's two things he asks us to do. One is to abide in him. He says, abide in me, abide in my love. It's so simple. He says, abide in me, let me love you. That's the gospel. Will you, you, don't have to, you don't have to perform. You don't have to prove anything. It's will you let me love you? And then he says, from that place, love each other. Let me love you and love each other. That's the simplicity of the gospel. And in that same passage, he says, no longer do I call you servants. You're not slaves. I don't call you servants any longer, but I call you what? Friends. I am inviting you to a new place of intimacy in me. A place of friendship. And this this simple gospel is is even preached in the Old Testament uh, you know, if you'll remember the, the legal expert that approached Jesus, and he says, what's the greatest commandment? Uh, out of all the commandments, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus turns that question back on him and then affirms the answer that the expert in the law gives because the, law, the lawyer says, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your strength, all your soul, all your mind, and love, the, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, yes. That's right. You know, the first time love your neighbor is mentioned is actually in Leviticus. It's in the giving of the law. And I want to read that as we're talking about friendship. If you want to make a, a difference, make a friend. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. This is Leviticus 19. But love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And in this passage of various laws, he goes on. He doesn't stop there. He says, love each other. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 33. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. And I am the Lord your God. Intimacy with God and loving those around us. To the point where he is saying, it's not just loving those who, who you're comfortable loving. Jesus said, even the, even the tax collectors do that. It's kind of hard sometimes, but you know, even, even, even those, the, the people that you would compare to yourself as the worst, which Jesus hung out with tax collectors, so we're going to talk about that. He wasn't trying to, trying to uh, minimize them. But the, even, it's easy to love those that, that love us, but how easy is it to love those who are not like us? to even intentionally go out and love our enemies. But that's what the Lord was calling his people, Israel, to do, is those who are, are different from you, I'm calling you to love them as yourself. This is the basis of friendship that the Lord demonstrates for us as, as he becomes Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. We can't do it in our human strength. So how is it possible as I was thinking about friendship, I, I thought about, I had a memory pop up. I was, I was single living in Texas and coaching uh, a, a kid's soccer team. I think it's six, seven-year-old kids. It was a really, really fun group of kids. Most of them were from Latino families. I was living in Fort Worth. And at the end of the season, I invited everybody to come to the park where we practiced right down the street from my house and have a cookout. 
And uh, so we did that. Uh, we're, grill, we're grilling it up. And uh, about the time it, the meat was ready to come off the grill and uh, we were s- serving the meat up, a friend rolls up, a neighborhood friend rolls up in his, in his wheelchair, my friend Rob. And uh, just uh, he wasn't a super close friend, but I had gotten to know him because we were neighbors. And uh, we'd stop and talk in the neighborhood. And Rob ha- has cerebral palsy. Um, his, his body is contorted, and it's kind of hard to understand uh, what he says, but if you, if you can learn to, to understand him. And uh, so he rolls up, and I, I greeted him and, and did what I felt like was a fairly normal thing to do to a neighbor at a cookout is invited him to join us. Um, but Rob couldn't necessarily feed himself. He couldn't, he couldn't prepare food or feed himself. And so I found myself over the next 15, 20 minutes uh, making, making food for him and then feeding it to him bite by bite. And uh, there's two deep emotions that I had in me in the midst of that. One was just loving him, a deep compassion of, uh, Jesus loves this man, and, and he's a sweet friend. And then, and then a competing emotion was this one of, of fear of man, of this feels awkward. Everybody else is, is interacting with each other. I'm over here on the side, uh, and I'm, feeling, I'm thinking, what are they going to think about me? They think this is a weird coach. This is a weirdo coach. What are you doing over there? They didn't necessarily enter in, interact with him. And coming, coming out of that, and the reason I'm telling that story is one of the reasons that I love Jesus is Jesus doesn't have that awkwardness in him. He doesn't have that fear of man, and he is able to perfectly love those who we might be embarrassed by, even if it's just because it's different, not because we despise them, but there's something whole and beautiful about Jesus. And I want, I want, as we read this passage, I just want to invite you to come close to him. So we're, we're in Luke 7 today. I'm going to start in verse 36. And uh, Anita, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually read through this whole passage. I had broken it up when I, when, in what I gave to you, but I'm just going to start with verse, verse 36. And read this. It's a story, so let's just read it uh, as a narrative here. This is Luke 7, starting in verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he'd know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who'd given, been, who had the bigger debt forgiven. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. 
Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, I don't know if this Pharisee is a seeking or believing Pharisee. We know that there were some Pharisees that were seeking and believing. We're on a journey of being intrigued with Jesus and wanting to know more. And then there's a whole host of them, right, that were were adversarial at every step. And we don't know uh, where this Pharisee stands. There's a few things that Jesus says that kind of makes you lean towards what this wasn't. This was a hostile environment. Um, There's some parallel passages that, that call someone Simon the leper. Uh, it's called this man, so the, the host, Simon the leper, and it's thought that maybe Simon was a Pharisee who Jesus had healed of leprosy. We, we, don't, we don't know that. Uh, we don't know exactly what the environment is here, but we know this man is a Pharisee. What, what, what are, what's at least a mark or two of Pharisees? They are strict adherence to the law, even to the point of kind of spelling out the application of the law to the nth degree. And we're, we're often very quick to, and Jesus was, Jesus was very hard on the Pharisees because of their legalism. But I want to take a step back and say, if you look at the, the journey that Israel is on with God, their, their, their up and down relationship with forsaking God and forsaking the law it's very evident and very clear. And so for these, this sect to say, we, want, we, want to, we don't want to be like what's happened in our history. We want to obey the law. Some of us could say, hey, that, there's nothing wrong with that. But what does God want more than simple adherence to a law? What does he want? And, and I, think, I think in the opening, in the opening passage of this series, I'm not sure if it was Brian or, or I think it was Brian, uh, taught from Matthew 9. Jesus, Jesus is confronting the, the Pharisees and said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. You need to learn that mercy is better than what? Sacrifice. This, this, this heart connection, this place of entering in. We're going to talk about mercy and compassion more here in a second. That is more important to me that is, the, that is the crux of the matter when it comes to following who I am. And the whole reason I'm drawing this out is when we're talking about friendship, if performance is, is the basis of friendship, it's not friendship. Performance kills friendship, doesn't it? Comparison. Comparison kills friendship. If, if you're comparing and, oh, I'm better or I'm less, that kills friendship. That's not what friendship is based on, and that not, that's, not what the, that's not what the Lord, what Jesus is seeking with us or with these people that he is with here in this, in this passage. Now, in the context of steadfast love, uh, you know, in, in the Old Testament, Hosea, where, where that passage comes from, I, 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 love sacrifice, I love mercy more that's better than sacrifice. The word for mercy is hesed, steadfast covenant love. In the context of steadfast covenant love, boundaries uh, and, and, and submissive obedience brings life, whether that's with the Lord and with each other. So, so Jesus perfectly marries a heart relationship and obedience to him. He doesn't, he doesn't separate those two, and, and, and we shouldn't either. But it has to start with this place of steadfast love, of mercy, of compassion. 
So here they are reclining at a table. We have, we have some friends in our life group who are from Pakistan, and when they host our life group, we're on the floor reclining uh, on a mat, eating with the food uh, in, in the midst of us. And it's a sweet, intimate setting. And, and uh, I'm not sure exactly if that's the exact picture that we have here. But I want to say something about friendship is friendship is an extension of home. Friendship is an invitation to home. And I can't describe, I, in, in terms of trying to define home for myself, the, the, the epitome of home is the Lord's presence. It's his presence. And if you look at, at the Old Testament uh, picture of community for Israel, what was the center of their entire community? It was the tabernacle, or it was the temple, the, 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 the symbol of God's presence with them. And here we are, the veil has been, the veil to, the, to holy holies, the, the innermost place where the manifest presence of God abides. Here we are, the, the veil has been torn and we're invited in to, to live and abide in this place, in the, in the presence, in the very presence of God to the point where he indwells us. That's home. That's home. And when we are inviting someone into friendship, we are inviting them to experience God's presence, to experience home. So here they are. They're reclining at this table. And many, for many of us, I would say a lot of us in this room probably, but not, not every one of us. Sorry, I have this thing on my ear. I don't even need it. We, for, for many of us, our physical homes are a place of refuge. They're a place where, where uh, there's rest, there's joy, there's, there's food, and it comes with satisfaction and celebration. There's identity that comes from home. There's peace, there's joy. Many of us, that's, that's a descriptor of, of home. And part of friendship is inviting people into our homes. And Jesus invited himself to, to Zacchaeus' home, right? But, but spending time in each other's homes, that is a part of friendship. And you know what? Because of our pace of life, and Jeremy, Jeremy alluded to this a second ago, it takes a lot of focus and discipline to create space to be with each other. And uh, years ago, I lived in southern Mississippi, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and was part of a, 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 an organization, a small movement there called Mission Mississippi, that, that where churches came together saying the Lord wants to bring unity across a, a, racial, a racial divide. And so we would meet on a semi-regular basis. I can't remember whether it was every couple weeks or every, every month or so in different churches to come together and pray. We'd have breakfast together. And um, I didn't know too many of the people uh, as a newcomer, so there was one particular fella I'd always sit, sit with at breakfast. And uh, at some point in the summer, we had this big uh, coming-together potluck on... The, the mall in front of the Capitol, and it was a big deal. Churches from all over the, the uh, Jackson, Mississippi came. I th- actually, I said I was in Hattiesburg. I think I was living in Jackson at that time. And uh, they had a stage where different performances were coming on. And, and I did what I normally did was I went and found my friend and was sitting, sitting next to him. He was black, uh, uh, sitting next to him eating. And a reporter came up and said, can I take your picture? And we said, sure, we're just sitting there eating. And she, she said as she was taking the picture, I've been waiting all afternoon to find a, a black person sitting next to a white person. And you guys are the first, per, the first you know, occurrence of that that I've been able to see. I'm sure it was happening in other places. But, but I was startled 
thinking the whole point of us uh, of us sharing this time together is to is to deepen friendships i thought and and in that place there's still division and it hit me at least the people that i was interacting with we weren't hanging out in each other's homes we weren't carving out times in our daily lives just to hang out with each other, to get frustrated. You know, if we, it, it helps to, to, to build relationship, to hang out with somebody long enough to get angry with them and work through it. That builds, that deepens, that's a real friendship. And that wasn't happening. And it was really startling to me. So carving out time to invite people into your home, it's real, it's real. And then the other, so the other piece of, of friendship and home that I, that I just want to hit is, when we go out, because his presence is with us, we take home with us. You bring home to your workplace, to your school, to, to the neighborhood park, to, to others' homes. You bring home with you. And the Lord wants to, wants, every time you, you're inviting someone into friendship, he wants them to experience love and home in you. When, uh, for, for the year and a half that we as a family lived in Uganda, um, we, we moved right after Sarah had been treated uh, for uh, thyroid cancer, and we had, she had Hosanna in the Bush Hospital there nearby us, and, and right after that, got really sick. It was a whole combination of infection, parasites, or thyroid being off, and uh, she, she was just severely ill for an extended period of, of, a period of months, and we had to come back to the States, but... What, when a beautiful thing happened in the midst of her sickness. Uh, people just started coming and hanging out with her. She'd be, she'd be just laying on the couch, not barely, barely enough energy to move. And people, women would come. There's just a steady stream of women who would come to be with her. And they were loving on her, but they were also, it was a place of discipleship. All, all that she had to give was to be. And it, and it had a powerful impact on, on those around her. And, and we, came, I, we came back just blessed from, uh, by how sweet that time was in, in the midst of, of how hard things were uh, for us and, and just Sarah's ability to love on women there. And I want to I invite Sarah up right now to share a little bit of, of her experience in Liberia. Pre, this is pre-marriage, uh, so I wasn't there with her. Um, good morning. I want everyone just to take a moment and think of a, one of your friends and how you would introduce them to, to everyone this morning. So get a friend in your mind. You have a lot of excitement for the friend you're going to introduce. Well, I'm going to introduce you to one of my friends while I was in Liberia. And this was a little boy. Uh, I was friends with his mom and dad as well, and he was the oldest of four. Um, and he, uh, when, I, when I moved to Liberia, I lived in the, the uh, leprosy and tuberculosis um, uh, health center. So all the people from the neighboring villages with TB or leprosy would come to get treatment. Um, and this little boy came with his family that he was eight and um, the oldest of four kids and he had a large tumor on his neck, and they thought maybe it was t- uh, pulmonary tuberculosis. So they treated him with a two-weeks round of medicine, and he never improved. 
So they did further testing, and it turned out he had lymphoma. And um, his name was Peterson. So, you know, we had to tell the family that he would be needing to, um, there wasn't anything else they could do in Liberia. There was no cancer treatment. There was no chemo, no radiation. So he um, left with his family. And um, it, he was the, one of the first kids that I was asked to come see when I got to Liberia. And I just, there was this connection. And, you know, he couldn't speak much English. His dad was educated. He was a, a, did some rural farming in Liberia to sustain their family, but they were, had no income, um, very little income. And um, just the love he had for his son. And I just felt, for, I felt so deeply for them in the moment. And I, they went to the bush to get to some um, different uh, homeopathic, you know, remedies to see if anything could. But basically, the year I was in Liberia, I was there at his diagnosis. And um, he passed away a week before I left Liberia. And Peterson was one of those friends who you just want, I'd want every one of you to meet. You know, it's like had so much joy in his face every time you went to see him, you know, he just kept deteriorating. So it was constant, um, constant paralysis because of where the tumor was. So, you know, after every, every week or every time I would see him, there was more degrading. And it's one of those places where we just interceded and prayed. And I just felt like not only did I enter, got to enter in and got to know a friend, but they entered into my life and my heart will forever be changed. I remember Brendan asking me to share, and I, last night I was going to remind just what I was going to say. And I, you know, we all could share a million of stories of friends that have impacted our life by just weeping over the joy that I got to meet this, this boy. And um, I remember the last time I got to visit him in, in the farming community, he, um, he I, I knew he was about to pass, and his dad just went to the um, store and got him a radio because he just loved to listen to music. And that's how he, he, that's, um, how he passed, just listening to something that brought him joy. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know um, why God didn't heal his body, but I know that that place of friendship is forever a part of me and a part of him as well. The, the, little, the mom had a baby and she named him Sarah right after I was born. It was just right after he was born, right before I left. And I got to meet the little Sarah girl. So this is a special friendship. So I just, I just wanted you to think of that picture too because we all have all these friends that impact our hearts. Thanks, babe. I want to invite the band to come up. I'm... I'm uh... I'm just past halfway on my sermon. I here's here's where I want to here's where I want to land, and this is one of the the main points of the sermon. Is I want to invite you to take a deep breath, and again draw near to Jesus in this place. This is how this is how uh, John described him at the beginning of John said he, Jesus came to his he came to his own and they received him not Isaiah 53 uh, in, in a couple of the verses start verse 3 he was despised and rejected by mankind a man of suffering and familiar with pain like one from whom people hide their faces Jesus reality was one of rejection it was one of people were always trying to trip him up People are whispering things behind his back. 
And he was human. He, he was really human, and he felt that. And it, it, could have been, it could have been that at this table in this home that there was nothing even connected to home in terms of the hospitality that was being shown him at that point. And it was in this place of pain for him that this, that this woman of the story enters in. And all her baggage, she enters in to his pain to be with him. Yes, that, that costly gift that was poured out on him, her tears, the, the costly perfume, that, was, that reckless abandon of love, at great risk to her coming into this hostile environment, that was meaningful to him. But I believe that, that her being there with him in that place, with him, she might have been the only person with him in that room. I believe that was precious to Jesus. And something, another, another uh, passage in Matthew that described about Jesus when he saw, when he saw the people, he saw them and he said they're like, they're, they're, they're harassed and they're helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them. And the word compassion is, is from two words, come, which is with, and then passion, suffering. Compassion is suffering with someone. And in this story, something beautiful happens. This woman enters in and suffers with Jesus. And it means something to him. And it's not in this passage, but in, a, in two other passages, parallel passages, passages, he said, this means something to me to the point where of wherever the gospel is shared, this story is going to be talked about and told because this means something to me. And so where, where I want us to land right now is that Jesus wants to enter in with you. He wants to show you friendship like you've never known. And would you be willing to take a breath and make time in these coming weeks for him to show you friendship? And then the other side is, would you be willing to enter in? Would you be willing to ask him and say, who are, you, who are you asking me to enter into life with? Just to be, not to fix a problem, to listen, to be with, to, to carry their burdens, to ache with, to celebrate with. And you know, Jesus says, when you, when you do that to the least of me, to the least of these, you're with me. You're with me. You're loving Jesus when you are seeking out those who are marginalized who are pushed to the edges because they're, they're ugly, they're poor, they're old, they're disabled, there's, some, there's something wrong or different about them. Would you be willing to ask the Lord, who do you want me to make time for? Who do you want me to pursue in friendship and be with? So I invite you to stand up. The band's gonna lead us in a, in a place of worship and you can respond in your seat. You can come forward and process with the Lord. But if you, if you wanna know his friendship, I invite you to come. If, you, if, you, if you're saying, Lord, would you, would you teach me how to pare back so that I have room to be with people, to pursue friendship with people, come forward. He wants to speak to you.